Hello and welcome once again to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is one of our special travel episodes and it's titled Charleston Nearshore Cobia. I'm going to be talking with Captain Cody Margate of All-in-One Charters out of the Charleston area. And Cody is going to walk us through what to expect and what you can learn from a day on his boat in Charleston chasing Cobia. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post, and Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and now in our latest and greatest efforts, the Saltwater Podcast Series, where we feature local captains and guides from up and down the North Carolina coast, sharing their insights, their knowledge on how to catch more fish more often. Um, I'm joined in this endeavor, in this travel podcast special episode with my partner, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Billy, welcome to a special episode. What's up, Gary? I'm excited, man. Charleston is uh, a beautiful place, so to have a connection down there to book a trip with and go fishing, it's going to be good for you, good for our viewers, <laughs> and, uh, and the people who listen to the podcast, so hopefully... Uh, be a good episode, and and Cody will get some calls from from people up a bar way. So that'd be a good fishery. If I don't turn this special podcast series focused on Charleston into a trip for myself to Charleston, then I'm <laughs> not the person I I think I am. Then I'm gonna have to find a new co-host, Gary, because I got to find a co-host <laughs> that can get on free trips. All right, that's why I'm I'm here to get you booked on free trips. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I think everyone, that's part of why I picked this out, man. Everyone is, I th everyone, most people are fond of Charleston and, of, you know, our fishing crowd. I have been fortunate only once to fish in the Charleston area. Certainly it's on my list to increase. And I think, I just think other people like me are like me and would like, love a reason to go to Charleston, you know, make the wife, the girlfriend happy, uh, go fishing. Everyone's happy. Like I'm, yeah. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, man, it's gonna be good, and and I'm sure it's beautiful. It's beautiful on foot, so I can't imagine from uh, from the other side, the other perspective. So, well, I'll go ahead and get into some of our sponsors, Gary. We're happy that Marine Warehouse Center and Bland Landscaping Co. are back on board with us. So, uh, real quick, I'll jump into Bland Landscaping Company. Uh, they're established 1976 here, and they are looking for some really good employees uh, and really career-minded people who love the outdoors, who are family-friendly, um, just really people who are making you know looking to make a career gary so they are uh fans of the show actually reached out to us and said hey we want to support the fishing show we're we're big supporters of the fishing community uh, and so they're looking for good people to come and be on their team uh with a lot of growth opportunities a lot of benefits so you can go check out their website blandlandscapingco.com or blandlandscaping.com and uh and go to careers and apply and see if uh, they got something in your area because they're all over north carolina so that works out pretty good so if you're looking for a new gig, Gary, when I kick you off of this show, this is going to be open, man. It's going to be just open. just a third gig. My wife and kids have been saying, <laughs> Dad, can't you make any more money? Um, you know, there's some hours you're sleeping that maybe you could be working a third a third job. So I'll, I'll put it in my back pocket. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, there's six more hours, dude. You don't need nine hours of sleep. Three is, you know, fine. So, uh, all right. And then one of our longest standing sponsors, Marine Warehouse Center, making this show possible. We really, really appreciate those guys. Excited uh, to have them back on board this year as well. So, I got a quick message from them. We'll be right back. 
Marine Warehouse, we have everything. We have new boats, we have parts, we have accessories, new trailers. We have a complete service department with highly trained technicians. Anything you need to get out on the water, we have. At Marine Warehouse Center, as we've grown over the last few years, now have a large section of marine supplies from start to finish for all your boating needs. What I love about this region is to be able to get out on the water, and also we love to be able to get you out on the water. The best part of working at Marine Warehouse is being able to get involved with the customers and share a love for the water. Boom, there you go, Gary. Marine Warehouse Great Center. guys. Parts, sales, service, all of it, man. Uh, great guys and okay joke tellers. Okay. Well, and also they have a location in Charleston as well. So you guys make sure you go check those guys out uh, down that way. So that'd be good for people who are listening to this and you're from the Charleston area. Uh, they got some some uh, location there to buy boats, fix boats, do all that fun stuff as well. So who's been telling the jokes recently? Is it Terrell? It's still it? Terrell. It's still Terrell. Right. Um, Terrell would love, by the way, anyone to stop by or call in and give him some jokes. He actually sort of hinted that he's running out of jokes. So if you're in the Marine Warehouse Center area or if you're not, give him a call. I don't think email will work. My understanding is Terrell just got his first email address ever for the first time in his life this year. So email might not be the most effective. I mean, he kills it on the parts, but email, a challenge. Um, you can tell me whether or not 2022 Terrell is still telling good jokes. Here you go. Terrell's joke, not mine. Are you ready? I'm ready when you are. What do you call a boat full of buddies? A boat full of buddies? Yeah, buddies. I, I don't know. A friendship. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You know, as we're recording this episode, Gary, I think he just got off of a, a boat full of buddies. So he just got done with a friendship. <laughs> Bonda K. I was on a friendship. You were on a friendship. I was on a friendship. A whole boat full of buddies. I was. Well, there you go. Terrell's joke. So you can gauge. I think he does need some help. So please yeah. stop by the store or call and give Terrell your joke suggestion. I'm, I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, and as soon as even I get if Terrell's that, not asking, I'm asking. To do and as soon as I get his email, I'll put it on the screen. Don't worry. I'm just waiting. It's an AOL address. He got the CD and yeah, it is. He probably found it in his kitchen drawer after 20 years. Like, what's this? Like an email. Here we go. Hey, uh, photo feature. Here we go. We got a photo of uh, Adelaide and Michael Johnson caught this cobia with a piece of squid on a circle hook. Uh, they were fishing 30 miles out of Topsail Inlet. Uh, I don't know anything about cobia fishing, but that thing looks pretty yummy. Pretty good looking fish there. It is. It is yummy. You are going to learn a lot, I predict, man. I predict Kobe. Cody lays it down, man. Yeah, hard fighting fish, fun to hunt, and uh, delicious as well. That was a good photo. Enjoyed that one on the water. Looked good. And uh, we appreciate um, everyone who sends in photos. Absolutely. And also, if you want to support Gary and I as content creators, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Fisherman's Post, buy us a $5 cup of coffee. We want to thank everyone who has been contributing, a lot of contributors to that, a lot of supporters uh, supporting our, our, our content creation <laughs> opportunity here, Gary. So I uh, really appreciate you guys. And then if you want to sponsor the show, much like Bland Landscaping Co. and others, feel free to reach out to me, Billy, at Fisherman'sPost.com, and we'll get you in the lineup. So, Gary... Back to you, man. Right. I'm excited about Cobia. All right. I'm going to introduce Cody. But before I do, my, my reminder to you, Billy's best takeaway. We're coming back after I finish talking with Cody, Billy's best takeaway. But at this point, it is my pleasure to introduce a friend of a friend, Captain Cody Margate of All-in-One Charters out of the Charleston area. Cody, thank you for joining the show for a special 
travel feature. Um, I'm happy to be here. Well, right on, man. I'm excited to talk Charleston, Nearshore, Cobia. But as is tradition on the show, we've got two questions to get through before we get to the main event. Cody, if you're ready, I'll give you question number one. Shoot. So, Cody, why should we listen to anything you have to say about a Cobia? I'd say, well, I catch a whole lot of them. Um, you know, I, I kind of grew up doing that type of fishing. Uh, my dad was a guide for quite a while. Um, he kind of got me into the business as well as my cousin. So we're, me and my cousin kind of guide side to side. And, you know, we we really do bust these Cobia up. I think uh, one I think one week we had four days straight where we caught over 50 of them each day uh, this year. And then we usually average, you know, anywhere between 15 to 40, 30, 40 of them uh, as an you know, average fishing day on those Cobia. And some days we do much more than 50 of them. Uh, you know, it's, it's really a lot of putting in time, figuring out, you know, what depth they're in, what they're eating, how they're behaving, um, how to get them to bring up, how to bring them up off the bottom. It's, it's just a lot of hours that I put into, to figure them out. That's, that's, well, man, that's I'm, pretty I'm definitely paying attention. Um, numbers like that. You already have my, I am going to listen to what you have to say about a Cobia. That was yeah, perhaps one of the better answers days. we've ever had to question number one, but question number two, as tradition goes, is a non fishing related question. And yours is a little yep. trivia based. Um, coming from Charleston, I have a Charleston area question for you. What one of the following list was first established in the U.S. in Charleston? So I'm going to give you a list of four things. Charleston boasts being the home of the first ever in the United States. Is it the first public college, the first museum, the first playhouse, or the first golf club? Boy, I want to say it's the first museum, if I'm thinking correctly. Um, you are thinking correctly, and it's actually a trick question. All four, all four were first in Charleston. Charleston was oh, really? the first okay. public college, the first museum, the first playhouse, and the first golf club. So there, so you I'm couldn't have given a wrong Charleston answer. How about that, man? I'm looking out for you. Yeah, good. Thank you. No wrong answer there. <laughs> no wrong answer. All right. Perfect. So the idea of this, uh, the idea of this sort of travel feature, this is my brainchild, so I hope it works out. We'll see if it works out. Is a day on the water with you, and we'll sort of, you're gonna explain to us a day on the water with you chasing these cobia, and in the process, we're gonna learn something about cobia fishing. So let's start this day, like if I'm a client of yours, where do you typically have me meet you? So I typically have people meet me in Shim Creek, whether it be at uh, one of the bars along the creek, Reds, Water's Edge, um, or even a public dock at the very end of the creek. Uh, we like to pick up there because it's a nice centralized area. Because um, a lot of times, like people after fishing, they want to go see the city, so I'll drive them around. It's right there in the middle of it. But that also gives us an opportunity to, um, when we get back, to get food with clients. Um, there's all those bars have food and a lot of restaurants there. But we like Shim Creek because it's right there in the middle of the harbor. And when we leave out of the harbor and we go straight out, start catching bait and moving on. Um, the bait is we usually catch it on the way out from Shim Creek. So it's just a, it's a really good location to pick up from. And the basic instructions of what I need to bring are? I provide everything except for alcohol and food. Um, I always carry a bunch of waters and sometimes sodas, but uh, if you want to bring, if you want to bring alcohol food, that's all you, that's all you really have to bring that and some suns, you know, I carry sunscreen on there and sometimes people prefer other sunscreen. So they bring that, but I have all the baits, I have all the tackle, all the rigs, water we're ready to rock and roll when you hop on the boat 
And what is the season, man? If I were saying, hey, I want to look at the calendar in 2022, you would tell me uh, that the Cobia season expands from this date to this date and perhaps peaks more, you know, I, you can't predict every year, but, you know, historically peaks around where? Okay, sure. Um, so it usually begins mid-May and goes on until about the beginning of October. My favorite, probably August, um, all throughout August and uh, beginning of September is usually my favorite. Um, that's when they kind of, you kind of see the bigger ones show up and then even when you get on the smaller ones, the numbers are just there. There's a lot of them. Um, that's that's going to be your peak time. It's probably beginning August till the end of August. All right, man. So I'm on the boat. We're leaving the creek. We're leaving the dock and we're getting bait on the way out. That's right. So when we're getting bait, we usually run up one of our beaches and you'll see tons of menhaden. I mean, pogies everywhere. We'll throw the net one time, load both live wells most of the time. Now, it's not always like that. Sometimes we kind of got to poke around and try to figure out what they're doing. Sometimes they're a little bit deeper in the water column. And, you know, we've got to search for them. But for the most part, during that time of year, they're pretty easy to catch. We catch a ton of menhaden and fill up both live wells because you're going to need that live bait most of the time. Sometimes you can catch them on artificial. A lot of times you can't catch them on artificials, but you want that live bait to be really successful. Are we, uh, um, what was I going to say? So are we catching them inside? We're catching pogies before we go out into the ocean? That's right. So we're using, I usually use a 10-foot gas net, something that sinks really fast, uh, half-inch mesh. Um, usually I'm going right off the beach as soon as I get outside the harbor. A lot of times I'll run up Morris Island, um, right along that beach. And you'll see, I mean, you'll see what you're looking for is either pelicans diving. You'll usually see the pelicans diving every time. And then you'll kind of stumble across. You'll see, you'll see those baits flipping in the water and you'll throw that net on them. And more times than, you know, most times you're going to load up a net full first one or two casts. So beachfront, not in the harbor, but once we, once we go outside and turn a corner. That's right. Sometimes we get lucky right in Shim Creek. They're piled in there and we can throw the net before we even leave the dock and load up. But most of the time you're going to find them off Morris Island. And um, it, it's, I mean, it's to the point sometimes where you need help bringing that net in the boat because it's so heavy. And what are you calling the ideal size of a live pogie for these Cobia trips? I like them the size of my hand. Yeah. Okay. All right, man. So I'm on the boat. We've found our, you know, we had to work a little bit, but that's part of the experience is searching for bait, finding bait, putting bait in the live well. And so how is it that you determine, you know, what are some of the variables? I'm sure it changes day. I'm, I'm sure it changes day to day, but what are some of the variables that determine where you're going to fish on any given day for these cobia? So usually when we're fishing for these cobia, we're going to artificial reefs. Um, we have them stretched out throughout our whole coast. Um, you know, mainly I stick around 60, 55, 50 to 60 feet area. Um, pretty much any of the artificial reefs are going to carry these cobia. Um, some better than others. Uh, when we get out there, you know, you'll see on the on the down scan and the side scan just huge structures. And a lot of them are old military vehicles, old sunken barges, sunken boats and ships. I mean, that's what they're hanging out on. And mainly that time of year is that artificial reef. And 50 to 60 feet of water off of your coastline is roughly how far off about your coastline? About 12 miles. About 12 miles. And 12 I didn't miles. even ask this. I'm on, What's your boat? What am I on? So I've got two boats right now. I've got a, um, a 2019 C-Pro 248DLX as well as a uh, 2016 Spider FX-17 for the fly fishing for redfish and you know, flats fishing. All right, man. So... 
any one of those wrecks can produce on any given day. Really, it's, it's that simple. It, it, you know, it, it really is. And, you know, sometimes they congregate more in one area than others. And, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of got them dialed into where they're hanging out. Uh, but there are, you know, I can, depending on where I'm launching for the day, it's usually the same spot, but I can pretty much go north, south, straight out, whatever. And we can land on top of some cobia. Um, in some places you have to work a little harder than others. Uh, especially when you have so many boats out there just beating these fish up, you know, they, they get tired of it and sore mouth. So you kind of got to move around. So you find them sometimes, but for the most part, they're in the same general area. So when you pull up to a, you know, you've made your selection of the first wreck you're, or the first artificial reef you're going to target that day. And we're coming off plane and we're basically at that location. What are you doing next? Or how are you advising me, the guest on the boat to act? What, what happens next? Okay, first thing we pull up on these on these reefs, usually in your reef areas, you're going to have multiple sets of structures. So what I'll do is I usually use my down scan and I'll see if I can mark them first. You'll see those big boomerang shaped marks on your on your on your down scan right above that structure most times. So when I see that, uh, first thing I'm going to do is drop that trolling motor. We're going to use spot lock to hold us in place. You don't really want to use anchors out there because a lot of times you're going to lose it if you drop it down there. Um, but spot lock is a game changer when doing this. Um, and then once we get out there, the first thing I'm going to do is I, what I like to do is have, if we're fishing live baits, I'll use, you know, depending on the amount of people, we'll do half on bottom and we'll have half of them free lined with a, I'd say about a four, four or five feet liter, uh, 60 pounds on top of 65 braid. Um, and what we're doing is I'm dropping these, the two bottom rigs straight to the bottom. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll reel up about five, 10 feet kind of suspended off the bottom sometimes we'll let it sit the free line people have them just cast out somewhat far away from the boat and what i'm doing while they're doing that is i'm taking a lot of that live bait throwing it out there just chumming up the water with live bait a lot of times you know while these people are catching them off the bottom if you can throw out some some live chum it's going to bring a lot of those kobe up to the top of the water you can see them they'll come and check out your boat and they get real dumb um and those free line guys will pitch right out of a sight fish. I mean, it's, it's, it's so much fun. I can't even really explain to you how much fun it is if you've never done it. All right. So I definitely have some follow-up questions. So are you typically marking these fish like right over the structure and you're spot locking right, over the, right over the structure? It's never like beside it. And so is, is that I'm right typically what it. happens? Yep. I'm right on top of it. And there's multiple ways to get these COVID to come up, but I'm usually right on top of it and I'll have my guys start ripping them up from the bottom. And uh, a lot of times with these cobia, what they do, they're so curious. They'll follow their buddies that are hooked up. And you'll see sometimes five, 10 of them follow up one fish that you're hooked up to. And then the guys at the free lines can pitch right at them and catch the ones that are following the other ones. I mean, it's, it's, it's usually very active the whole time you're out there. And I'll, so the two bottom rods are typically dropped down and then bring up a little bit just so they're not sitting on something. That's right. And then the t two light lines out. And so if, if you get a hookup on the bottom, do the lines stay out? Or are you advising the guests to like bring them in until we get this fish in the boat? What, what so happens when you get a hookup? That's one of the things you want to play by ear. So usually when we hook up, I tell them the first 15 feet is so important. Get it off that structure so they don't break you off. When they get them up to the boat, if there are fish following them, especially if there's better fish following them than the one we have hooked up, I'll let them kind of hover there about five feet under the boat and have them just leave them there while the other guys get hooked up on the free lines. Now, if it's just a loner fish, we'll go ahead and bring them in the boat. And if it's a keeper, we'll keep them. If not, we'll toss them back, hook up another bait, drop it down again. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's kind of how we do that when they're fishing on bottom. We kind of play it by ear, given the situation, whether they're fish following or not. Well, talk to me a little bit about the more about the rig. Like, is it fluoro and definitely fluoro? Is it a circle hook? Like, what's your favorite? I use sixty pound mono with a usually a six or seven aught circle hook. Um, and uh, my my leader on and we're basically using a Carolina rig with a six ounce sinker on a slider. Um, and what I'm doing is I'm taking taking these pogies and I mean leaders about you know four feet long. We're taking these pogies and a lot of people like to hook them through the nose. Um, I actually like to hook them through the back because a lot of times those coby will kind of short strike them, eat them off the tail, and uh, miss it if you have a hook through the nose. So unless it's on the free line, if I'm doing it on a free line, it's going through the nose. But if I'm dropping on bottom, I'm going through the back, right, right, right behind the head. And so, is there a reason why mono and not fluoro, in your opinion? Honestly, I I like mono. It's a little bit easier to tie, um, especially when you're up to sixty, you know, sixty pound. I think I think it it cinches down a little bit better. Some people will disagree, but I, I prefer mono. Not only that, but sixty pound mono on these fish is plenty, given the angler, and it it's cost effective compared to compared to fluoro. And are you finding that you get the opportunity? Is it just when you're hooked up? and are able to entice fish up or are you getting some sight fishing opportunities oh, no. to we, you don't have to be hooked up to get them up so like i was saying earlier if you take those pogies grab a couple handfuls of them just toss them out and give it a couple minutes a lot of times those those um those kobe will come up off the bottom come check it out and start eating them and that's when you take them free lines and start just you know put it in front of their noses and there's other cool ways to you know bring those fish up you know some people frown upon it because you're killing fish doing it but um you know sometimes we'll take a big chugger a big top water and chugging along the top and getting the mamberjack to eat we'll tie off on the mamberjack off the side of the boat a little bit cut up and the big tiger sharks will come eat them and uh those cobia follow those tiger sharks up too so we'll catch those uh cobias off those tiger sharks and these are big tigers 10 15 foot fish that we're catching them off of so hold on a second. I want to unpack that first. I enjoyed it. I'm enjoying this. Is so that's yeah, why I, mean, I want I might, to unpack might it. Off, I'm sorry. I might, I might make some of the purists pretty mad about that, but that's sometimes that's what you got to do to get them to come up. You're not making me mad. So what is it? You're chugging across like a topwater popper for the amberjack. Is that how big you're bringing those poppers. up? Yep. Big, They're not just coming up poppers. for the pogies like the Kobe are. They will sometimes too. Um, it's just a lot of fun catching them on a, on a big popper. Um, and that kind of gives somebody else something to do. If we're dropping a bunch of lines for Kobe and there's one extra person, we don't want to add too much to that going down to the bottom. I'll have somebody throwing top water off the top, uh, off, the, off the front of the boat and chugging it. And we'll catch Amberjack that way. And sometimes Kobe that way. Um, but yeah, you catch them on the Amberjack, tie them up off the tail and cut them up a little bit. And big, huge man-eating sharks will come up and start chewing away at them right off the back of the boat. Um, and you'll have Kobe all over them. It's the most incredible thing. How big are we talking with big tiger sharks? 10, 15 feet. <laughs> and how close to the boat is this amberjack tie? A lot of time, I mean, three, four feet off the back of the boat. <laughs> yeah. I've got quite a few videos on, uh, you know, there's some, some videos on my Instagram, me playing tug of war with these tiger sharks with the amberjack right off the back of the boat. Yeah, no hook, just playing tug of war. No hook. Yeah. <laughs> um, to go back to the cobia, man, is there like if if there's one up there and you're telling me, hey, I want you to pitch a pogey to that one, I think you could get it to eat. I mean, what is the instruction? Is it to like cast past it and pull it into the cobia? Is it to just drop it right in front of its nose, not worried about how close it is? I mean, what's the spook factor? What's the, what's the best strategy? 
that's the cool thing about Kobe. They don't typically get spooked like that. You can throw it right in front of their nose and they're not going to swim off because they get spooked. A lot of times you can throw it right in front of them and they're going to try to eat it. Um, now, if there's a, especially if there's a lot going on, if there's multiple fish, they're going to be fighting over these baits they see. So you can throw it right in front of their noses and most times they're going to eat it. And they're going to eat it pretty quickly. And then sometimes they do kind of check it out and look at it and wonder what it is and, you know, and they'll swim off. But most of the time, put it in front of their nose, they're going to eat it. And you also have artificials on the boat just to, just as an yep. in case. So, you know, I keep artificials on the boat. They're very effective, um, especially that time of year. Uh, I like to use baits because it's almost a promise thing when you go out there, if you got bait. Now, um, the artificials, a lot of times, if we're tired of catching them on baits, you know, we've already caught a ton of them. We'll be like, hey, do you want to guys want to catch, you know, and catch some on artificials? And a lot of times they're going to say, yeah, especially after catching as many, you know, a lot of them quickly. Uh, people get kind of bored of it. I mean, it's kind of weird to say you're bored of catching a bunch of cobia, but you know, you do want to try different things. Um, so what I like to use are uh, big bucktails, big three ounce bucktails, two three ounce bucktails. Um, I like the uh, big Z-Man, the big huge, I want to say maybe 10 inch Z-Mans on, uh, on their jig heads they make. Those work well, as well as hoagies. Hoagies work well too, the big 14 inch hoagies. Really any color will do. I like pink, but I've caught them on all colors. Um, what else can we catch them on? You can catch them on knife jigs. Uh, they, my favorite so far is a Shimano Colt Sniper. Those things, those things catch them. They, I mean, they really catch them. And, you know, we're just dropping straight to the bottom and fast jigging it back up. And you get hooked up quite a bit on them. I mean, they're, they're a lot of fun. And even if you use the weightless, big weightless hoagies, when you start pulling them up, you can skim one of those across the top and catch them. I've caught them on um, kuda tubes before. I've caught Kobe on kuda tubes. So is there, in, in your opinion, is there a scenario where an artificial would be superior to live bait or does live bait always win? You know, I, I do prefer live bait, but I, I think there are certain scenarios where artificial will do better, especially if you're using something that's just subsurface and they're all up top and you got tons of them all over the boat and you can really dial in on catching the bigger one, the bigger artificial for eating like that. Um, and I say that because, you know, those, those pogies when you're hooked through the nose, they can swim funny. They can, you know, if you're trying to reel fast through the water to catch up to that big one that's swimming with the other smaller ones, sometimes they'll kind of sit sideways or they won't sit right. Now with an artificial, you can reel it fast. You don't have to worry about that happening or the bait falling off the hook. Um, that's, that's usually when that artificial is going to win in my, in my eyes. So man, how, uh, how crowded are we out there? So like, if I ask you at the dock and you say, well, I got this AR in mind and I say, what's your prediction, man? How many boats are going to be around us? Is it inevitable that we're with other boats? Most of the time, especially on weekends, you're going to have other boats around, you know, sometimes I've seen three to seven other boats, you know, around us. And, you know, it's not usually a big deal because we're all catching fish, but, um, Weekdays, especially Mondays and Tuesdays, are, are usually pretty good. Everybody's back at work. You really only have other guides that are out there, which is not bad. You know, all of us guides in this area, we all get along for the most part. We'll call each other on the radio, we'll be like, hey, the fish are over here. Come sit next to me. And we'll kind of uh, make sure all the clients are happy on all boats. Even if we're not working for the same companies or you're not, you know, it's somebody working for themselves, whatever it is, you know, we all work together. So, Boats during the weekday usually isn't a bad thing. Boats on the weekend is usually not very good because there's just a bunch of people off work out there trying to bust up the fish. And what are the Cobia regs in South Carolina? Like, what am I, what am I bringing home? So right now, uh, they change it from 32 inches to 36 minimum. There is no max on them. Um, and, you know, it seems like they change it on us. 
it seems like they change it every year. I mean, it's sometimes it's hard to keep up with. You really got to keep keep your eye on those regs so they do change them. But you want a thirty six minimum. A thirty six minimum, and the typical class of fish would range anywhere from where to where. And you know that's that's the thing is a lot of them this year were on the shorter side and they were you know ranging between most of them I'd say about eighty percent of them were in between thirty two inches and thirty five inches just an inch short, um, but we caught quite a quite a bit bigger ones you know over forty inches. All right, so I guess we're wrapping this our three quarter day up and we're headed back to where you picked me up, and this leads to some of my travel questions. So, sure. I mean, there's this answer could go on and on because I'm talking to someone from the Charleston area, but part of traveling to fish means, man, after I want to celebrate my successful day of fishing with a nice meal, what do you got for me? You got a couple of record. I mean, you could go on and on Charleston, but you got a couple of recommendations for me. Sure. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll knock it down to two categories for, for you. It depends on if you want to drink more than you want to eat or if you want to eat more than you want to drink. Now, if you're wanting to, you know, yes. really get wild and drink, you know, right there where I pick you guys up, there's a Red's Ice House. It's an awesome bar on the on the water. Uh, you have Saltwater Cowboys, same thing, and uh, Water's Edge. Those are all great places to hang out. They're right there on the creek, right next to each other. Um, you know, it's a good atmosphere right on the water. You know, you get to share fishing stories with other people coming in. And um, if you're looking for really good food, I have two places that are my absolute favorite. One of them is going to be Vicious Biscuit. It's, uh, but they're only open until three. So, you know, that's something you can do the very next day. Or if we get back early, you can go do it after that. I mean, it's the most incredible food. And then you've got about five minutes away from the, from where I pick you guys up would be, uh, Paige's Okra Grill. And that's, that's, that's where I like to go. That's my favorite place. The only problem is I can't fit a boat behind, uh, in that parking lot. So I usually got to drop the boat off first and then, uh, then go back over there. Um, I forgot to ask, are you, Helping me clean my cobia, or is that something that I clean, I all, guess, the fish. Yep. You clean, I all, clean the fish. all the fish? And a lot of those bars and restaurants on that creek uh, will cook that fish for you if it's fully filleted. That was going to be my next question, man. If I have these fresh cobia fillets, is there someone that's going to cook it up for me? So right Water's there on the Edge, creek, huh? Yep, Water's Edge usually does the best job at that. And we had mentioned, I, I should have asked this earlier. We had talked about it, I think, earlier. But your typical Cobia trip is a three, you call it a three-quarter day. It's a six-hour trip? I usually do a six or an eight-hour, six-hour minimum. Because we're, you know, it takes us, depending on the weather and how choppy it is, it takes us anywhere between 30 minutes and an hour, depending on how rough it is, to get out there. And then that leaves us with, you know, four hours to fish and then another 30, to, 30 minutes to an hour to get back. Um, that's why I prefer doing eight hour trips, but six hour, we can get done in six hours. And is it important to hit it early in the morning, either for bait or fish purposes or you like just assume early in the morning, sun up um, in the sky? Yeah. I usually like try and leave early in the morning. That way we have plenty of daylight. Um, and usually that bait does stack up just as that sun's coming up. It stacks up best then. Usually when it gets high, the sun gets high in the sky, sometimes they'll still hang out for the most part. They kind of, they kind of move on. So early in the morning is the best way to go. All right. A um, couple more travel questions. What about a place to stay, man? I, if I don't have $600 a night burning a hole in my pocket for Charleston, sure. where can I stay? Um, you know, there's a... Um, there's a few hotels downtown. One of the larger ones There's one off of Magnolia. Um, that's pretty good. And uh, my actually, if you're willing to travel 20 minutes outside, 20, 25 minutes outside Charleston, there's a uh, Lake Moultrie. 
Uh, my aunt actually rents out a house out there with a boat landing and a dock. It's a, it's a newer house. It's, it's pretty nice. You know, I think she charges like 140 bucks a night to have your own landing and a dock, which isn't bad. Oh no, that isn't bad, man. Um, I think we've exa- I think we've exhausted my question list. Um, how about you, Cody, man? You know, you want to talk about Charleston near shore Cobia. I've, I've tried to set you up with questions. Is there anything that I haven't set you up to say any final thoughts on this fishery or these trips that you'd like to get out to our audience? You know, it's, you know, on the, it's the cool thing about doing that is on your way out, you can see a lot of cool things. Um, and there's, you know, pit stops we make on the way out to these Cobia. A lot of times you're going to see a lot of false albacore, um, and throw those little jigs on light tackle at those things is a blast. And, uh, most of the time we'll stop and catch a few on the way out or on the way back in. Um, and you, you catch more than Kobe out there. Sometimes you catch this big bull redfish. You know, you'll catch king mackerel. Uh, lots of lots of bycatch out there when Kobe fishing. That's what that's what keeps it fun. You, there's always something different happening out there. And then, how about a quick highlight reel? Like, what else is All in One Charters doing throughout the calendar? I know you're more than near shore Kobe, so again, sure. not, not being exhaustive, but a, but a highlight reel no, of what no, you're no, doing no, throughout the question. year. So right now, um, those big bull redfish are schooled out, out in the ocean, and um, we're talking thousands of them that come up to the top of the water column. You'll see the ocean glowing warm. Um, that's what I've been focusing on lately. Um, you know, and we're using all our officials on those. We're using those jigs, big hoagies, bucktails, topwaters. It doesn't matter. That right now is what we're doing. It's it's one of those days where if you get on them, every time you drop within a few seconds, you're hooked up to this big, big redfish. And then usually after that, um, come Jan, mid-January, I'm out, you know, doing a lot of fly fishing for redfish on my flats. But a lot of clients want to catch this redfish fly that are schooled up on those flats. And, um, you know, we do a little bit of everything, tarpon fishing in the summer. Um, a lot, I mean, king mackerel fishing. We do, we do pretty much everything. That's kind of why we're called all-in-one. We do it all. All right, man. Well, Cody, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I, I was unaware. I mean, I knew you guys had cobia, but I was unaware of uh, the level of cobia you had. So I am very That's happy really cool. we did this podcast, as I'm sure my viewers and listeners are, man. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you willing to share yes, with sir. us your knowledge, your insight, more fish more often, man. Hope uh, hope I'm talking to you again and, you know, being, being full of... Uh, Exposure, man. I hope I'm fishing with you sometime. I mean, you've got me excited. If this podcast doesn't work to get a couple of calls, then I I can't imagine that. Like, this has been a great, in my mind, you know, a great conversation. Sure. Come join me anytime whenever you're ready. All right, Cody. Thank you, man. Yes, sir. Nice talking to you. Billy. What's up, Gary? All right. Are you ready to go catch some Kobe or what? No, I'm, I'm actually ready to catch something else on that boat. What? I'll save you for my takeaway. <laughs> All right, Billy. <laughs> Set me up. Now that I've spoken please, with Cody, Gary. what would be Billy's best takeaway? All right. So I want to catch an amberjack. And I want to tie that thing up. I want to slice it and dice it. And I want to put it on the end of the boat for a tiger shark. And then hopefully catch a cobia. But that sounded pretty wild west to me and got me pretty excited. You know, I'm probably, you know, might be a couple people be like hating on us for that, but that's got to be like an experience, man. Like a crazy experience, I would imagine. So I would have to think so, man. I mean, again, at, at my recently, I've been putting more emphasis on the visual pleasure of fishing. And yes, the thought of a big, 
a big flesh-eating shark coming up to the boat and yanking at this thing and pulling it around. Um, yes, that plays into my wheelhouse right now. I mean, I can't imagine if it doesn't play into most people's wheelhouse. But whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, even better if I could play tug of, people. tug of war with it. That'd be great. <laughs> Just crazy. So, all right. That's my, I mean, that's my takeaway. So I'm like, all right, that's kind of crazy, but crazy strategy. But you know what? Whatever works. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah man all right well Gary, it was well, a good episode i guess wrap us up man yeah man great episode and once again this is made possible by marine warehouse center uh, locations in wilmington north carolina and also in the charleston area so look them up and have them uh, help you out with your boat if you're buying a boat selling a boat getting your boat serviced all those kinds of things and then also our other sponsor for this episode is bland landscaping co and they are looking for career-minded people to come join their team and they have a big focus on the outdoor lifestyle so if that's you and you're looking for a career uh this year a new career then go to their website and see what they have available in your area so gary that's it, man. Great episode. Loved it. And uh, got me fired up about that tiger shark. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk to you in the next one, Gary. All right, Billy. Thank you for everything. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks. All right, cool. He did.